This is Do Good and Do Well, the podcast for people who want to make a positive difference in the world without losing themselves in the process. I'm Sarah Fox, life, business and leadership coach. And in this podcast, I'll be sharing stories from social and creative entrepreneurs and leaders to help inspire you as a change maker to do good and do well. Hi everyone, welcome to the Do Good and Do Well podcast. In today's episode, I'm talking to Christina Peake. Christina is a British Bajan visual artist, educator and researcher, and she's recently been awarded the Turner Contemporary Digital Commission. Her practice is rooted in learning, immersive experience and engagement with the natural world and communities, creating new worlds that are as mercurial as the stories that informed them. I really enjoyed talking to Christina and we covered a lot. She's a working mum and we talked about how busy that can be and how we need to create more space for downtime, but that actually working can be really nourishing and energising. We talk about how you connect with people through conversations and stories. We talk about her values around freedom, adventure and legacy. And Christina talks about her recent commission with Margate Gallery, Turner Contemporary. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Christina. Welcome to the Do Good, Do Well podcast. How are you? I am very, very well. I'm very well. It's lovely to be here. I'm really kind of uh, attached to that. I've been invited, actually. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Right, we haven't got long. I'm just going to jump straight yeah. in. Can cool. you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? So what would you like us to know about you? I'm a visual artist. I am an educator. I'm a researcher. Um, I was recently awarded the um, Tenor Contemporary Digital Commission for, um, for, for Black Artists. And um, yeah, I, I love storytelling. I love narrative. I love putting together in my work, creating new worlds and informing them though through through real experiences through immersive experiences so whether that's so whether that's traveling to different places whether that's living with communities for a year or for weeks to find out what the intimate stories about what's happening in those places and the reality of them then then that's what informs my work because I think you touch you're closest to people in that way when you can really talk about the intimate moments and the detail mm. Yeah, you have done some amazing things. Can you tell us a little bit about one of those? Uh, okay, yes. Um, I think I've been. I think I've. Um, you know what? I'm not going to say I've been lucky because a lot of the majority of the projects, at least half of them, I've created myself, um, researched, and contacted people. So, I've worked in the Peruvian Amazon with indigenous um, communities there, particularly the Kakama community, of which I'm creating a book out of the residency that I did attend when I was over there. So, I mean, travelling to the Amazon and, and seeing that place was always a, a dream of mine because to me it was like the archetypal kind of natural environment, predatory, lush, green. I sell predatory again because everything in there really does kind of want to kill you, which is always very interesting. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because I'm, I'm like, you know, grew up in London, you know, partially spent a lot of time in Barbados as well, where my, my mum's side of the family are from. So, you know, very, very kind of urban city, London girl attitude to like, you know, tarantulas being pulled apart by ants, which I didn't even <laughs> know was a thing until I saw it. Um, I've worked in Sierra Leone, 
with young people in the slums of Freetown, um, running, say, like graphic workshops with an NGO there. I've worked with ex-offenders. I've worked with women exiting prostitution, trafficking and substance misuse with the charity Women at the Well, which is an incredible charity based in King's Cross. Um, yeah, I've exhibited in the Caribbean, as I said, in Peru, in worked in Sierra Leone, as I said, and um, I've, I don't know, I, I, I build a lot of relationships in places. I'm, I'm fascinated by people and environments and, as I said, the stories that are there. And uh, I don't want to say gritty, that's not the right word, but where you find yourself in places or in stories where you have, there's an initial, that quiet voice where you never share with people, where you have that initial aversion, like, oh, no, I don't want to go there. That's when I really kind of think that I have to go there. And I include the Amazon in that. You know, there's a difference between a daydream and the reality of when you're standing in the middle of a rainforest, you know what I mean? So I think, you know, my, my, my prejudices that come up, I didn't even know that I have. And then I'm like, well, you've got to sort that out. You've got to find out why, what's the fear that bases that that feeling that immediately makes you want to walk the other way sometimes so what's the driver for that what why do you head into the place that a lot of people would be like nope shut the door turn around I'm not going to that place you know I think it's a number of things like I think one it's the adventure of it I think when people talk about you know when people talk about journeys and they talk about adventure you know it's you know it's I think actually the early Disney's, you probably have the closest, one of the closest representations of that when you look at early childhood, early um, kind of a lot of cartoons and things like that, where you have like Pinocchio, you know, that is a dark, dark, dark animation. That's a dark film. Do you know what I mean? Or when you look at the grim fairy tales and things, I think, mm-hmm. I think you know, real journeys, real adventures, they're the ones where you have the boring bits where you have to, where you have to push through them. You have the scary bits, you have the bits where you are so exhausted, you don't know how you're going to carry on, but you split it up and you do it hour by hour, day by day, and you get through and you come out the other side. So I think the, the banality of adventure and you know, for those bits of that adrenaline rush or when you make that kind of breakthrough in yourself within that personal journey, as well as meeting other people. My horizons have been widened, widened um, extraordinarily by the people that, by the people that I've met. Mm. And I am very, very um, grateful for the things I, I have. And I don't mean that in the sense of um, even things when you talk about commissions and stuff. I mean, the sense that, you know, I'm, I, I can pay the bills, that my kid's healthy, that I'm, you know, relationship with someone that I still love 15 years on do you know what I mean I think I don't I think it's so easy to take those things for granted but they're incredibly hard to sustain and maintain um so yeah I think that's I think that's what it is Mm. um yeah Mm -hmm. so as you know this podcast is called do good and do well yeah what what do those words mean for you I think do good always makes me pause a little bit only in the sense that I think, I think doing good in the, in the way in which you really have to be really objective about it. I don't think everything everything's kind of balanced. I don't think you, I don't think there's this kind of like idea of like say necessarily doing good. You know, if you, I don't know that Victorian period or whatever or going back where you go in and you're like you're helping and mm. you know hurrah for you and like for everyone else and everyone's happy. I think the reality is that there's always going to be a balance and even when you go into situations, I think especially probably a lot of people in development work and all that kind of stuff, there is always going to be kind of potentially a negative impact that offsets what you've done. And I'm very aware that when I've gone into communities or into different places, I, I the stories that come out of that that feed into my work, a lot of that, I talk about my experience. I don't talk necessarily about other people's stories because I think the stories that people share with me and I share with them 
there's a care and consideration in, and they're very, very valuable. And I don't share things within those moments or in those conversations that were meant to stay within those moments of conversations. I don't pick them out and put them in an exhibition because it's not appropriate. I can share my experience, but theirs and the moments that we have, the relationships that you build or the experiences that you have, I think they they can be compartmentalised and saved within the, the, the kind of temporal moment where you are. And I think they're very, very valuable in that. Your memories and those experiences, the things that kind of fund you in the times where you are really low, they really have to be treasured and, and, and guarded. So there's specific, only specific kind of narratives that I bring out in things. So I think they're doing good thing. I'm very wary that if I feel a little bit, if I feel like I am doing good, then I'm questioning what first question has to be, oh, are you doing so? You know what I mean? Realising who you are, what your impact may be, what your privilege may be, mm. how, who you are going into that situation and being very honest about that <laughs> you know um there's no problems going places doing work and all those kind of things but just be self-aware about your position when you're going in them mm. and then doing well I think is is the commitment to really what it means after the point of doing good if that makes sense so say you know if you're going to I don't know maybe say you are working in a charity or I don't know wherever you're traveling to or whatever it is when you've been about, right, I'm really, you know, this is a great project, you know what I mean? I don't know, like, like maybe it's about water scarcity and agriculture in like, I don't know, the Gobi Desert or something, whatever it is. But it's like, you know, once you've kind of committed yourself to doing that, it's committing yourself the whole way. So when there are the inconsistencies, when you see the imbalance or inequality or anything else, whether you are a part of that or not, the doing well part, I think, is facing up to those things and then applying yourself to them and moving within the journey because it will be parts where maybe you are doing good and there may be other times when you're not and understanding that's a journey. Like, you know, you're not a superhero. Mm-hmm. You're not a hero. You know, you're a person that's dealing with other people and all their lived experiences. So just be aware of just, like, enjoying what's there, the reality of it, feeling it, and then, yeah. So well comes after the good, I think. Mm-hmm. I'd love that. So I ask everyone that same question and I'm so fascinated by the different answers that are coming up for, for mm. about it. And I love that sense that, you know, where you talked about just being really aware, really self-aware of what is going on within you, but around you when we are doing good and actually questioning in the first place, are we doing the good that we think we're doing? And the care and consideration for the people and for the stories that they're telling. So my background is very much participatory arts. And so I spent a long time listening and talking to people. And our world is based on stories. You know, that's how we build relationships with people. And there's so much trust within that, that you have to be, you do have to be really self-aware when you're thinking about you know what is the change that you want to make in the world where do, where what perspective is that change coming from is it ju- is it just your perspective that something needs changing or is it real does that make sense yeah i know i think i think definitely and also i think you know i think the weight of being good is is a very real thing because you mm. don't always have to be that doesn't have to be the outcome necessarily and i don't mm. think it's always realistic that you're going to get, you know, sometimes just maintaining something, sometimes even just lifting a little what is very heavy, very difficult situations. Maybe it's not as impactful 
as ideally you, you want it to be and in, in that a situation has changed for the better and it's good you may not always have an impact you may not win you may not get there and that's a very stark reality you could end up doing more harm than good you don't know but you're a human being and I think the reality is trying in the first place so then when you take the weight of the good out just just being there and just committing to it and just engaging in it that in itself I think is an act of goodwill anyway mm. because you're trying but your failure is fine because you're trying and you'll learn and the next time you can go in with the positive weight of say from experience I know this this and this this mm. has made me as a person much more self-aware so we have to be aware of these factors environmental personal relationships whatever it is mm. that personal feeling you know that warm feeling of doing good in that kind of you know righteousness about it <laughs> I think that's a very real thing well and there's nothing yeah. wrong with it. there's nothing wrong with just you know the pleasure of it I've yeah. been hearing a lot about like pleasure activism and stuff like that like that's something I've been looking up a lot more I've seen that that word that buzzword concept around a lot there's something called helpers high as well that which is what you're describing in terms of you know really helping someone you you get that sense that somehow elevates us and Mm. that's why there were some arguments to say that altruism can't really exist because you always get something back from helping others even if it is a kind of feeling whether good hormones start to kick in and start moving around the body so we feel good from doing good yeah definitely I mean like I think I kind of get high just from learning lots of stuff I was thinking people that don't know like um you know I've I've Known Sarah before and seen Coach Rivera, she was amazing. But I'm thinking of those ideas of when I was looking at the kind of key traits of myself and that, you know, that absorption of bodies of knowledge. That's that constant quest and search of wanting to learn, wanting to know more, even and deepening that to a spiritual level. Because I remember I said to you, I was like, I don't know why it's brought me down as spiritual. I mean, what's that about? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And I read it and it was like, oh, you know. Um, acquiring bodies of knowledge but moving beyond that so you have an even deeper understanding of what's happening and I thought oh my god that's exactly that's exactly it because I think that's that's what my practice enables me to do I literally I wouldn't say I jump because there's methods in the journey of my practice but Mm -hmm. I would say that it enables me literally to kind of deep dive into like specific areas that I've never touched before so when I was when I did that residency in the in the Amazon, before that was months of research about all different kind of like Amazonian cultures, tribes, rituals, cosmologies, all these different kinds of stuff. Just literally eating like a quarter of a library into your brain and thinking, ooh, you know. So I, and I love that um, I, I creatively I can jump from one thing mm. to the other like that. So, mm. yeah. Brilliant. I love that idea of eating a quarter of a library. It just makes me think that, you know, knowledge can be so nourishing as well. Like, it, And when I think of the do well within this, it's often about how people can feel that they're able to show up as their best selves. And I think for you, yeah. there's something about really being able to deep dive into a topic and really understand it and and know as much as you can up to a point and then you take a different tack in order to feel feel it yeah definitely I think there's a lot of initially I think though my work a lot of the time goes for kind of like almost like project kind of process at the beginning there's a lot of the kind of academic research or that kind of thing and then the field work is the thing that then it starts like really that's when I start to feel it. and then the, the journey of being creative I think kind of 
starts and then all the research before then gets to be contextualized and starts weaving itself in but the field work the experience there's always a gap between what you read what the research is and then what's happening on the ground and I think it's so important to um to have that experience of, of finding out what's going on so when I'm like um a member of like kind of like local kind of community groups and things and it's it's even that understanding of like what's happening within my own within my own community what's happening within my own environment where you know where, whether it's natural environments the conservation land near me woodlands the rivers all that kind of thing and you know how how people are impacted and really understanding was just what's happening around me as well um so because i i think it radiates out like when i create work or within my practice it doesn't stop kind of when I think of my brain in the studio, do you know what I mean? It's just like colour spattered everywhere and images and stuff like that. It doesn't end when I close that door. You have to maintain that throughout. So if there's, especially a lot of the work now is ecologically engaged and that has a lot to do with COVID, like the walking and reconnecting to the places that were near me that I didn't really know. And now because I've reconnected with them and then that's become deeper and deeper with every time that you take that journey and you take that walk, whether it's with my son or with my family or on my own, and then once you then once you then know that then you become do you know then I've become invested and then it's like oh sorry that's my <laughs> I don't know how to turn the notifications off I didn't think of that I'm so sorry sir. it's agreeing with you it's fine because I yeah because I'm at the nursery do you know what I mean but um what I was gonna say is that I just think then you start once you're invested then you want to protect it and you want to maintain it and that changes everything I think so now I'm like, I look at ways in which, right, okay, with the conservation lands around me, who is actually looking after them? You know, because there's always someone and then you, you start finding these communities, you start finding these groups. And before you know, like widening out to so many different people that, you, that, you know, that you're learning about and seeing what the issues are and stuff. Mm. Yeah. So you you are super busy at the moment. I know you've got like a gazillion commissions going on. How are you looking after yourself in all of that? Being honest, um, I don't know that I am so well. I think that's just brutally honest. Ask me right now, and it's you. I don't think I am so much. Mm. I think sometimes you know this commission for tenant contemporary is an amazing opportunity so i'll work and i'll do whatever i need to do to get it done to the standard that it needs to be done because i'm uh <laughs> i'm i don't like compromising on any of the things really that i do whatsoever and time's a big part of that so whatever it needs to, for the quality and the detail and the things to be there then time's not really it's a factor but it's one where in terms of the working hours that I do then there's there's you know there's no kind of boundary on that I'll do whatever I need to do to get it to where I want it to be however you know it's the impact on family it's the impact on yourself and I have commissions as you say for next year so you're in those are in development while you're working on the current one and I find it very very hard to um to work out to take the time for yourself especially when it comes to things like homeschooling this year and the mm. children in the class have been self-isolating and then you're still working a full-time jobs or jobs so you know at the moment I'm working like being honest seven days a week that's not sustainable and I feel like I've hit a wall mm. like mentally like there's not enough bandwidth for everything um but um it's like you say it's have to factor in that time I have to find it just those downtime kind of moments and sleep isn't downtime that's a big deal <laughs> because you pass out and you close your eyes that's not downtime so um <laughs> so it's um 
yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not the best with that. And I think that's one of the reasons why when we first met, I, I remember one of the first things I said to you, like, when one, you know, when, when having coaching sessions with you and going into that relationship, it was like, I want to be able to have a better work-life balance. Um, so that's definitely something that I'm working on. Um, but at the same time, and I don't mean it as a justification, I feel like creatively I'm like bashing through walls like mm. a juggernaut. So it's this weird kind of like, but maybe that's why there's less bandwidth. I don't know, because everything's just invested in just like this walk forward. And after the year that we've had, which has been incredibly hard, I just think, um, yeah, it's difficult. Mm. There was something that someone posted on Instagram today, which was talking about rest and how trying to curate this life where she only works a certain amount of time and that she has this rest in between. And I and I admire that. I think, you know, we we are able to make choices sometimes yeah. around, you know, you know, what we're choosing to do and how much we're choosing to give. But at the same time, I know that work can also be really energizing. I think about yeah. my coaching when I did the yeah. 100 people over 100 days, it was like, I was seriously tired, but I was so energized by it. That was amazing, by the way. I just oh. want to give a shout out here because that was seriously amazing because I met Sarah because I applied for that. And I was like, oh, well, first of all, I remember seeing it going, who would do that? I mean, Jesus, that's a do-gooder, isn't it? Who gives that 103 hours? Do you know what I mean? But then I was just like, you know what? I'm taking one of those hours if she's given them. And I did take them. And it's one of the best decisions I made because it really, that whole coaching section from that and then leading into the course as well, that was just, you know, it made me stop. And when we realized check and all those things we're talking about self-awareness, I had to force myself back into mm. that space. So it was that was a big thing, I think, for me. Mm. Well, I am super pleased that you chose to <laughs> come on that. <laughs> there is something about how your work can be very nourishing as well. Yeah. Um, and when you really, you know, are so connected to it and passionate about it, yeah. the hours can, you know, it, 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 you know, my dad worked in a factory for 25 yeah. years doing nights that's hard <laughs> like, that is seriously hard and and I don't think it was particularly exciting um it's like jam jar lids I think I think there's a balance to be had isn't there that you you, you understand what work can also give you that makes you feel like you are your best self but you also need to then find that downtime I sleep is very important I mean there is there is some downtime in sleep (laughs) no 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 definitely you know what I'm thinking of right now when you were saying that I was I'm I'm thinking now of like the values that I had which I still have which no if don't know if no one else can see it but I put the one here I put put the one let's see which way is it it's going this way so it says so my values that came out of um the course I did was freedom adventure and legacy and um I think for me the freedom bit is that creative kind of pursuit I think there's a freedom in just the this the pursuit of excellence and and not even of excellence just just that pursuit of like trying to understand the fundamentals of you know in negotiating your way through life and that energizing feeling of when you are hitting those notes and you're just like you know what I mean and creatively and intellectually and physically you're you're hitting all these things or even when you are dog tired you are just it it, it's you're resonating in Mm. such a voracious and kind of vital way that even if you do just want to like feel like passing out there's something there that gets you up the next day when you really would like to just take a week so 
yeah, I think I think there is there is definitely that thing that you do feel energized for through what you're doing and and stuff. And I think for me that that pursuit of those freedoms, whether they're creative freedoms or anything else, that's the end goal of the adventure, really. And that's also building tools like the legacy and stuff for for later on. Mm. Yeah. How have those things played out for you in 2020? Those values, adventure, freedom, legacy. I think um, I think when I was talking about like the banality of adventure and all those kind of stuff, I think that's exactly what this year's this year's been. I think it's been an adventure as as a nation. I think it's been an adventure as, as an individual, as a family, all these kind of things. Because you know, adventures aren't necessarily the ones that you get to choose. They're the ones that a lot of the time are forced upon you because that's the way in which our life goes. I don't think anyone expected a pandemic. Do you know what I mean? No one expected no. to have you know massive when we've had the protests and stuff and and this kind of massive rise and paradigm shift when it's come to Black Lives Matter. Um, and then also, you know, we've, we've still got like the major, the global, in, in addition to the pandemic, we've still got these global challenges that are coming at us, such as like climate change, all the kind of ecological, environmental challenges that we have coming. So this trifecta of things, that is a journey. And for many people, it's been, I think, probably one of the hardest ones of their life. If you know, when it comes to your livelihood, when it comes to your mental health and well-being, all those different kinds of things, and just getting through that, if you are and how you are, and you know, all that kind of stuff. That that in itself is an adventure. It's just like it's not like they're not these always perfect Disney kind of things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It is like the earlier stuff, like Pinocchio or Hans Christian Andersen, and you know, you don't always get the necessarily the happy ending, but they're this has probably been a year that has been incredibly revelatory for, for many for many people. I know it has been for myself. I've had to change the way I work. I've had to adapt into so many different areas. I've had to just kind of like tough it out when it's come to like, whether it's come to balancing homeschooling with working, creating opportunities for myself. As I said, like a lot of the work, I'd say probably maybe 50%, maybe 40% of the work that I have is from things that I've applied for or anything else. You know, I, I think like, what do, I, what do I want to tackle? What do I want to invest myself in? What is the key critical question for me now? And I build a project around it. I contact people, I speak to people and I, and I get that off the ground because, and I really went hell for leather this year because I thought I want to come out of this period with more than I went into it. I, you know what I mean? And that's been a real, and that's been exactly what's kind of happened. So I think in terms of that adventure, I think that's and I think that's still ongoing. We'll see how we come out with the vaccines and stuff next year. In terms of freedom, I think it would be to me, I don't think of freedom like it's like, oh, you know, you're free to do what you want. To me, I think freedom has a lot to do with discipline. And you have to learn how to discipline what you do and who you are, like the things that like you said, like taking those breaks and different things and maintaining your work ethic and stuff, especially I think if you work for yourself, if you have your own business and stuff. I'm not yeah. saying that other people don't have to do that if you're working for a company or some such thing but I just think it's the idea of for me personally and and for yourself you know this there's, there's not a team around you you're on your own mm. a lot doing these things so you are all facets of what you're doing your finance and you're the creative and um uh-huh. you know your senior <laughs> leadership but you're also admin yeah. you know what I mean and you're like cleaner you know, <laughs> you know you're the call center as well and you're just like oh my god so it's so I think that's I think that's yes I think that that discipline thing I think it's key to to realising those freedoms. So to me, the creative freedom, intellectual freedom to go into the places that I want to go to comes through the discipline of getting to that place. Mm. Because, you know, the the Amazon didn't just turn up when I went there. You know, there was a whole load of work that went into that for any project. It takes time to get to the place where 
you're with a community or anything else because you have to consider where you're going, how you're doing it, take care of yourself, real kind of risk assessment. Are you in danger? Will you be? You have to consider all those things. So I would have loved to have seen your risk assessment for the Amazon. Well, it's, you know, it's a kind of like, hmm, on a scale of one to 10, how much are you shitting yourself? Eight, mm, nine, that's probably more realistic. Let's just do it, you know. <laughs> Let's go for it, you know. Is it like, does it look like there's real imminent danger that you could die? No, then then, then we can crack on. Do you know what I mean? Although <laughs> my husband doesn't really like that attitude. Uh, <laughs> But, and I think the legacy thing, like, not to be because like, I don't, I don't add, like, lots of money and stuff. For me, I think all the work that I produce creatively and otherwise is a kind of legacy that I'm building. And that's for my son, really, is to know, is to know who I am, who I was, the things I've done. And he's going to know that through knowing me. But I, I had a very difficult um, time having, having my son during childbirth and things. I didn't know that I was going to make that journey. So the reality of I had to really consider and face up to the fact that I might not have known him in his life because I wasn't going to be there. So for me, I think the idea of legacy is that you can't take for granted that you're going to be there the whole way through, that you're going to get 20 or 30 years knowing them. You don't know that. So for me, like these things that I create, I like the idea that you know, that there will be like a body of work. I, one of the reasons I do like video journals and stuff like that, and I keep them in YouTube, is that I kind of think these are records, not just for when I'm working and what I do, but that's a legacy for him as well. So that's that's quite a big deal for me, is this this kind of collection of who you are, and and that's a kind of heirloom for, for later generations. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's really powerful. So... G- you're at the moment working with Turner Contemporary. Mm-hmm. You've got their digital commission. Mm-hmm. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Because that that's when when is it happening? So that will be going live in January. So for this commission, it's called the Sacred Ecologist, and basically, it's this idea of kind of my mum was from Barbados, she was Bayesian, and my dad was from England and Sussex. So I grew up kind of migrating between the Caribbean and the UK consistently all the time. My sisters moved back out there, half my family are out there. And for me, like this idea of like, I used to travel to Margate where Turner Contemporary is based since about the 1980s as a baby going up there. And it's, and it was this idea of like kind of these coastal communities kind of migrating and finding other coastal sites as surrogate spaces. So for a lot of the Caribbean people I grew up with in London, Margate was this kind of surrogate space because of the, the, the soft kind of water, because it's quite calm and things. Mm. And then you've got this beautiful sand and stuff. And it was this home away from home. And so jumping from that point, it starts, we started looking at kind of the way in which, you know, the the autobiographical stories that I have and this idea of kind of hybridised ecological perspectives. So looking from a Caribbean perspective and a kind of British ecological perspective and and putting them together. So, you know, how you engage with, with, with the sea and the coast in the UK and how that's informed by the Caribbean perspective. So for me, a lot of that is like the coral reefs and the water, which is, which is such a key kind of connection for me to the environment. I just, I don't just think like the cultures that we link to, um, it's not just like the people within them, it's the environments within them, you know mm. what I mean? So that is rainforest, that is the coral reefs, that is those stunning environments. The same way for me in the UK, it's bluebells in the woodlands and it's, you know, like when we're hiking in the Lake District or when you're um, at the coast, because we travel a lot around the southern coast, 
So we, we're um, creating like these four sculptures. So it would look like a marine um, coastal installation along Margate. And we're going to be making four films of this installation. And I, from when I've been doing these walks that I've talked about, I collect materials from seaweed and shells to like bits of metal from like burnt out bites I've seen on the common. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of forage and I digitally forage for things. I, I collect things and I, I'm making these four islands. And each one is a different story on its own, telling about different stories about maybe belonging about the way in which it's like skincare or the way in which different cultures have their different ecologies represented within them and the way they engage with them to things about trash and treasure with my mom she tells this story about you know when she was young they used to like collect sweet wrappers off for their streets and stuff because no one's going to buy like buy you sweets or anything and then there's like broken sea glass so the broken glass that's been kind of softened and mm. sanded down from the sea would be the coins and this idea of like what well, one person's trash and they've thrown away becomes another becomes another kid's kind of treasure it's their monopoly money and I think with a lot of things the toys that my son has and everything everything but like sometimes you know I sit there and I look at these toys and I'm like these toys are going to last longer than I am you know they're practically immortal you know and Spider-Man's lost his arm you know Black Panther's got no legs uh-huh. you know what I mean it all gets a bit <laughs> creepy when limbs are just gone everywhere it looks like a conflict or something do you know what I mean so it's just like so it's this idea of also just waste and, and where it goes and maybe where we, where we put it and stuff as well and in different countries and different places what people have and how their imagination and play just like jumps off and our futures really so there's that and a lot of my work has engagement with it so we've been doing sharing this idea of walks so people are doing their own walks and submitting like films writing photographs all different kinds of things and hopefully I'm gonna weave some of this into like a graphic novella which will follow this installation so you can see like this journey we're gonna have a virtual studio session as well where people can join and we're going to share a lot of that's come out of that work so it it should be it should be good it's been a lot of work actually <laughs> oh god yes a lot of work mm. lovely people though they have to admit i've met some amazing amazing people so many creative people mm-hmm. um in ken in margate it's just insane I don't know what it is with the sea and creativity, but I swear to God, they really do seem to migrate to the coast. Mm. I've I've always lived by the coast, Dorset initially, and then, yeah, I'm in Ramsgate, so not far from Margate, and I love how creative this this area is. Mm -hmm. And I heard you talking last night, because you were doing something with People Dem Collective, and I heard you talking about how people could get involved and go for these walks and you were talking about walking and and how important that is for you in terms of your mental health as well and about being connected to those kind of spaces yeah I think it's really important I'm you know on a very practical level my art practice is something that helps me maintain my mental health I've had periods of depression I've gone through like um you know postnatal depression which I had for like about three years so I mean I, I very I mean I, I brutally use my artwork as something where if I'm not creating things and I know things are really bad that I'm disconnecting disassociating myself from things so it's it's one of the key kind of markers that I use to measure how I'm doing and the walking and stuff as well that's a key thing it's it's you know a lot of the ideas that I have a lot of the work sometimes I go for walks before a meeting just to get ready for it for example because it puts my it just helps me to breathe and then then manage anxiety brings that down and I think just walking through the woodlands or along the river and I have this thing where if I'm if my head's down then I know I'm not connecting to where I am because I'm still in my head and I still have this thing where I constantly tell myself you know look up look up and then when you mm. start looking around all the foliage and the trees and the canopy 
And if I maintain my head up, that's when I start to feel better. So there's a physical kind of literal marker of if I'm actually connecting with where I am or I'm disassociated and I'm still within in my head. So I literally have to lift my head up and make sure I maintain that. And then I start to, that anxiety dissipates. I reconnect in terms of um, my well-being increases. So um, I think it's very practical things. And one of the things I you know, I said to Turner when I presented the proposal is that I, it's not that I want to widen your audience, I want to have a deeper connection with them. So the mm-hmm. ways in which you can connect with people in a simple kind of way, do you know what I mean? Like, so going out, sharing these things, you know, just talking with me, it's, it's not me and artist talk kind of giving this to you. It's like, I want to hear who you are and what your stories are and how you feel. And it's hard, it's winter, all this stuff with COVID having to name, so many people are isolated. So it's trying to come up with ways in which we can deepen that connection. Mm. Yeah, I think the the some of the best work I've ever seen has been where artists have that amazing ability to connect with a whole variety of individuals, but being able to just sit or stand or walk in a space and listen, but really care about the listening. They are truly interested, human to human. The artwork is, of course, important, but that process of being able to connect with another human being and hear the stories and feel the stories. Yeah, I, com- I completely agree with that. With this virtual studio session, it's, I'm not there to kind of like, you know, make work and show it to them. I'm the artist and I've done this and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, it's like no, I, I'll do it. It's more a case of doing it to put someone else at ease. They may be through making stuff together. Like it, it takes away maybe a little bit of the hesitancy or the self-censorship or the nervousness. Mm-hmm. So then you go into a conversation because it's a slight distraction. You know, maybe you feel freer after a little while, a little bit more comfortable. But it's like, exactly as you said, I just like getting to know people. Like, how are you, man? It's been a really hard time. Yeah, I'm making this. This is cool, but I'm doing it in your area. I'm walking the places that you know. You know what I mean? I'm telling stories that you that you might not know, but you're going to know after we share them with each other. So, yeah, I think it's it's a care. It's, it's care of the audience and yourself and sharing that. Because I know so many times when I walk into, especially contemporary art galleries, I always feel like I shouldn't be here. There's something about with a lot of them, the way they look. And I know maybe that's more in my head because a lot of people are very welcoming. But you have that that step where you just take a breath and it's like, oh, I should have walked through. And just breaking down that barrier. One, to how amazing the discipline of art is, what it can give. If I can support someone else's practice that, you know, irrespective of of where that goes, just in terms of yourself, of it being a practice that you can maintain yourself, your well-being, negotiate things, develop your social, emotional intelligence, your critical thinking, your, your independent thinking, how you navigate situations when they're really, really bad and how hard that is, mm-hmm. because many times, as I said, postnatal depression, not easy when you got a baby and you're dealing with that. And that was mm-hmm. one of the ways I got myself out of it. So I think this is very practical kind of life skills to look after yourself for self-care. And if you want to put them in galleries or anywhere else, that's fantastic. But just as something to maintain yourself, I think art is a key thing that can do that or any creative discipline, really. Um, I mean, a lot of people use different things, but for me, I think creatively, it, it really does open up for people. Mm. Yes, I could talk to you for hours about that, but I'm not going to. <laughs> 
because I, I I I am attempting to keep these podcasts quite short because I feel like there's so much other stuff to listen to and people's time yeah. and all of that. But every time I start one, I'm like, I want them to be hours long. I just want to keep talking. Um, okay, so what's next for you then, Christina? In life or work? You know me, whatever resonates. Right, whatever resonates, yeah. <laughs> Bloody coaches. Um, I think work-wise, I've, I've got a lot of commissions and stuff next year. I hope there's some opportunities to work with some new people, getting to know them and some fantastic organisations, whatever. But where it happens with it, I, and I would say this to anyone, create your opportunities, man. Create the things that you really want to invest your time and self in. If you've created it, you're much more likely to a certain extent to commit and, and push you through. And it can be so much more dynamic in some ways because obviously you've created the terms of engagement. I'd say next year I'm hoping to get to Barbados so I can see my family. Mm um because I've really really missed them and I would have gone last year well sorry this year um and I loved I need to be in the scene but in Barbados as long as I look I've swum a lot in Margate but um I, I need to get back to Barbados I usually been there a year or every year or every couple of years maximum I'm keeping my head above the surface but if we can come out of this like next year somewhere better I don't know maybe I've maybe I've um evolved a bit more or refine myself a bit more I used to think of myself like a tempered sword or something sometimes because it felt like I'd hardened sometimes with the things I've gone through but um I think next year the big thing is going to be got COP26 it's going to be climate change agenda and that's I think a massive thing I like I don't consider myself to be a climate activist but I think it's something where with so much around what's been discussed with Black Lives Matter and culture and representation, all these things, it's something that I need to educate myself within as I do when I've been educating myself within that as well. It's it's something where I think there isn't really a choice and I, I just refuse to my kid to like grow up in a situation where I didn't do anything about that. So the next 10 years, I would say, is me kind of really committing whatever I can do in my skill set to improve or contribute to to improve the I know, quality of life for my community and when I say my community I also mean the natural environment so I think that's that's not really a question anymore that that's something that has to be dedicated to we all need to be climate activists just you know well, I can't even though you know what I never think of my way, myself as an activist and now like three people have said it to me it's like dude I just can't see myself that way I was talking to a mate the other day I was just like I can't I'm just like I'm, I'm just like one of those you know maybe a bit of a militant mum this isn't good enough for my son I'm gonna change the world so he can have a better time of it it sounds cliche that it's a serious motivator you know mm. um but I just don't I just don't want him to grow up and like all these things aren't there that that I saw Mm. I just um I just can't I can't live in that 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 be the that be the outcome mm. yeah thank you how do people find out about your commission at Turner and all the other bits and bobs that you're doing how can they connect with you you'll be able to go on the Turner Contemporary website I think in the next maybe week or so because we'll be showing like the development of the commissions because mine was one is th- of was one of three so there's another one for disabled artists another for um local artists within Thanet um, and if you want to find out more of the, about the work in general, I'd say, you know, you can go to my website, um, which is www.christinapeak.com. You can go on my Instagram as well, um, which is at Chrysalina. My middle name is Elena, okay? So you have to mix two together. Oh, I, you know, I just, okay. It, yeah. So it's C-H-R-I-S-I-L-L-E-N-A. I have blogs on my website as well as all the different projects and things that I've done. And I'm always 
uploading it with different links and videos and, and journals and things of what I've been doing. But yeah, the the commission itself will be going live and you'll be able to see the films and things in January. I believe that like launch date is still to be decided. But yeah. Um and you know, you can always drop me an email and stuff, man. I I always welcome like any kind of contact with this stuff you want to share, feel free. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I am really excited about seeing that work next year because it's going to be brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. It will be brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be brilliant. I'm just going to be like, just call me after the long nap I've taken afterwards, OK? And I'm like, all right, so you did. OK. <laughs> perky then. <laughs> I'll let you rest first. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. And definitely check out Christina's work. And hopefully by the time the podcast comes out, there'll be more info on the Turner Contemporary website. Mm. Bye, Christina. (laughs) (laughs) Take care. Take care. I really hope you enjoyed listening to that and that something resonated for you. I'll put all the links and how to contact Christina in the show notes. And if you're a changemaker who wants to do good and do well, you're a social, creative entrepreneur who wants to join the Do Good and Do Well community, feel free to pop over to my free Facebook group and you can find out more information about me and my work on www.sarahfox.co.uk. Take very good care.